I'm Steve Vibronix, and this is the Life in Dub podcast, talking to people who live their lives in dub and reggae. Episode number 14. Welcome to the 14th Life in Dub podcast. I hope you're all doing okay out there. Up here in Leicester, we have a new lockdown as the virus surges back, so it looks like the rough ride will continue in 2020. Virus aside, though, thanks as usual for all your messages and comments. As this podcast grows, there's hours and hours of unique stories to check out from many of the leading lights in dub and reggae. So if you haven't already, don't forget to go back and check out all the older episodes. Also, don't forget that if you want to support the podcast, the best way is to order yourself an I Live My Life in Dub t-shirt. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to lifeindub.com and follow the link through to Bandcamp. This week I want to talk about promotion, especially sound system promotion. I think in this scene it's still the main way that people get to know about new releases. For sure, radio promotion is still really important, and person-to-person recommendations, but all the biggest tunes are still made big through sound system play. There's the main established sounds attracting big crowds and clubs and festivals, but there's also countless smaller sound systems, all promoting the music across the four corners of the globe. Now with the virus situation, I wonder how new tunes can or will become hits. I can testify personally that people are for sure still buying lots of music new and old, but without sound system dances happening, I'm interested to see how new tunes reach people. I think even if you don't go to dances, or go very rarely, you still get to know what's what in the sound system arena. Whether that's in the millions of Facebook, YouTube or Instagram videos, or through people talking about the tunes that play in dances and spreading the news that way. But it still all points back to sound system dances. And without these happening, I think it will be interesting to see what kind of new tunes people start picking up on or whether the year 2020 will see some changes in musical tastes. Because reggae music is a musical force that continually moves forward and refuses to stand still. So we all just have to see. This week, my guest is Joseph from King Alpha Sound System. King Alpha have become an essential name in the sound system scene over the last few years, with their own heavyweight sound system and record label. We had a really interesting chat, and I think you'll learn a lot from this interview, with Joseph talking about growing up in Ghana, as well as his rise up the ranks via the Word Sound and Power Stable in London, and a lot of talk about the intensity of sound system music. So enough of me, let's get on with the interview. So, Joseph King Alpha, welcome to the Life in Dub podcast. Yeah, welcome, man. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Give thanks. Nice. Give thanks. Nice, nice you could join me here. So, Well, listen, what I'm doing is I'm starting off each podcast with the same question. You might have heard it before. A lot of other people will have heard it. But it's just the same question I'm asking everybody, which is like, can you name a track which which really had a big influence on you, something that really changed things for you, that you think, yeah, yeah, when I listened to that track, it kind of changed everything. So I don't know if you've got an example of a track like that you want to yeah. talk about. <laughs> it's a very deep question. Wow, um, there's there's been a few, you know, there's been a few, but to pick that specific one, I must tell you the truth, right? It was, um, I have to say it's ten or so, you know, you know, life is one big road, you know. Um, reason why for me saying that, because it was like the first time I actually sit down and taking reggae, you know, like sit down and someone say, yeah, listen to this, you know. So, and that, that, that alone for me, it, it, that 
time we played it over and over again, it changed my perspective of, okay, uh, yeah, to be to be honest with you, it's that tune, because it's the first tune I actually, yeah, all right, this is reggae or whatnot, you know? Yeah, I must say. Do you, do you remember when that was? Yes, I would tell you that was in 1997, because prior to that, I was into music anyway, but not that kind of, I didn't even know a world like that exists, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that was around about early 90s, 1997. What What was it about that tune that kind of, um, that you, what you think back now, you kind of remember about it? What was, what, what kind of impression did it leave on you? It was the melodies, you know, the melodies. And then I focus on the lyrics, but, it was the two that entwined for me like that, you know what I mean? Because I never heard, like, never know that that kind of, like I said, I was into music already, but not not this style of genre, you know? So the melodies is just catch me straight away. I was like, yeah, this is this is some next thing now, man. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, a cla- it's a classic track. Yeah, man. So, so, so you're talking about, like, music, and so if, we, if we go back even further, you say you were already into music, but... Because obviously the thing about reggae is that, like, it's, it's such an, like, an underground thing, but you, you were into other music before and stuff. I mean, what, what, kind, of, what kind of stuff w- was motivating you back then? You have to understand, I'm not from Europe. I'm not... I was born in Ghana and raised in Ghana. I went to school in Ghana. I came to England while I'm, I'm aware of things already in a sense of um, I'm grown up a little bit, I'm a little 12-year-old, you know, 12-year-old, you've grown, you still remember, you, you understand what I'm saying? That's what I mean in the sense that I'm aware as a youth, you know. So, and the family I come from, my grandma was the head choir of Anglican Church back in the 80s in Ghana. And... This kind of lifestyle is unheard of or a dream of or me turning out this way and whatnot. Yeah, like the, the re- rebel musician. It, it was not. Of, yeah, it, yeah. I, I, no one, I, I couldn't even think of myself how to, to now, as we're speaking, it's just undreamable. Got in realisation and came into Rastafari. Music was not a thing. It wasn't a music thing. This is something I just got into when I just I literally left school. Mm-hmm. As soon as I left school, I got into this liberty. And that's because it was was it around you in London, like? Um, like I said, it it was when I brought my this my brethren. He he was he was in fact he was my oldest brother's friend before. This brother disappeared. He went he went to Caribbean for many years. Next minute, boom, came back. And then this is when I started like seeing, okay, okay, what's this all about? This I don't know nothing about these things here. You know, dreadlocks and what it means and you know. So, like I said, it was something that instantly, boom, I just feel right. Yeah, like a connection. I just feel right, you know. And for me, the main I know what opened up my eyes with this thing, right? Is when I first had my puff of weed, and I must say that, and I will never regret saying it mm-hmm. because I'm a weed advocate to the fullest still now. I could never sell that thing here, and a personal thing still. It's something that my first being a rebel, that's the way I put it in it. 
when I put off my first week. And when I got high that day, I said, yeah, this is me. This is right. And that was it. And through that, my mind was open onto a, to, to, to different way apart from the way I've been brought up. You know, there was another door to a whole new universe. That's the one that opens all sorts of doors. You know, you know? You yeah, yeah, man. If your head is right, if, if, if something, like I said to you, if it's what the heart desire, you know, so if heart, sometimes people heart desire without even realizing what the desire is. So a lot of things was making sense and right. And, and he, as an African, born and raised in Africa, he maybe understood what being an African means and what it is and what it's about. And, and I never knew the greatness of us and things like that, you know. So getting to Rastafari, he, he opened up the liberty, which means that you're living according to saying, we're like, don't eat this, don't do that, what not, what not. But there's the culture thing as well, you know. Maybe understood what what it's all about, the proudness of it, of 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 being an African, and and you know, it, it really. The more I got it, the more I went back to learning more things about my country and 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 understanding why certain things was happening and why it's like this now and why it was like that, and you know. So it it became an education for me. Well, it must have been quite a thing coming to England from Ghana as well when you're 12. That's, that's like two very different worlds. It was a big change, you know, and I came at a wrong time. I think it was when um, with autumn or something like that was the winter, man. It's a bit, bit nippy. Uh, yeah, a bit, my God. <laughs> it was frozen, man. You know, it was, um, and obviously the language barrier as well, you know, because I don't, I had to learn English. I don't speak English. We don't speak English, you know. So we speak, I speak Gar. I'm from the Gar tribe. And you got that Shanties and, uh, and the rest, and the rest of them, rest of the tribe and the Airways and whatnot. But we're from the coastline. We're from the, we're more, the Gar people are in, in the capital of Ghana, which is Accra, you know, that's where you find the Gar people by the, by the coastline. Um, in our language, there's traces of other West West African coastline countries, like languages in my language as well. Like you, there's some of some of Yoruba language in my language, and 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 little things like that, you know. And the folklore tells in my in my culture, the folklore, the 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 things they, they, they celebrate and sing about and whatnot, it's, it's, it tells a tale of we were migrate, migration people. Because if you're growing up there till 12, by the time you're 12, you know, you're pretty grown up, really. So you've done a lot of, you know, you've been through a lot already. Yeah, that's what I said. I, I went to school. What was funny, right, is um, <laughs> I went to, when I was there, I was at secondary school. And when I came to England, I had to go back to the last two years of primary school. I was like, what? It was weird. So what happened is I never took no interest in this because some of the work they're teaching, I was like, yo, I've done all of this because I remember them in, in school in Ghana. You know, I remember all of these things here. So I just never took no interest in, in them kind of things there. Like I said, everything for a reason, you know. Yeah, it was, um, it was a big change. Mm-hmm. As well as this lifestyle, the way I even I look was a big change, you know, even for my family to to handle this kind of change, you know, 
and the, even the way I eat what became a big change, you know. So, like I said, as a family that I grew up in, it took a lot for an understanding for them to uh, to get to understand what I'm about, you know, what, mm-hmm. why I'm, I am how I am, you know what I mean? My my older brother was um, was into music. This is like in his early teens, and because um, I I remember he was buying lots of things like little equipment. But I, I never I I didn't really grasp on it too much. But we were kind of listening to the same like same similar things back then. It was more like then this was like drum and bass. Drum and bass was the thing. I said, you at that time, it was the underground it thing. We got heavily into it, you know, very, very, very heavily into it. It was a big thing and, at the um, time. Very, very big was, thing at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was. I, I've been, I've been to most, most of the big graves like back then, man. Yeah, it was it, but it was more of the, not the raving side of it, more of the music side of it, you know, mixing with two turntables and, you know, blending two different tunes together and all that kind of thing. I was very, very heavily into that, you know. But I must say, it was more of my older brother, yeah, because he was into it and he dedicated a lot to it, you know, to just music generally, not just drama, but just music. He built his first studio when he was 18, you know, and that kind of thing. So it wasn't far away from me and it was it's not alienated to me as well, but it's just something that's been, I've been kind of around when, in my early teens, you know, due to my older brothers. Then obviously um, you started to discover reggae, because reggae is a big presence in drum and bass anyway, obviously. And then it must have, yeah. I guess it, the, the reggae thing must have taken you, otherwise you wouldn't be in this position well, you're in well, now, you know. Right, right, right. It, it was more for, especially what I was into, it was more for like bass line, you know. I always loved the bass as a youth, you know. I love when when the door's rattling and and... and you know, speakers, you know, I always, it's a thing I always have anyway. Just love bass. You, you know when the door's rattling that, like, it's, it's doing something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, it, it, you get this little feeling like, yeah, so, even as a little 13-year-old, little I was feeling that. But um, what it was is when I got into the reggae and I, I have the, I go, oh, right, this is where the, where the foundation come from. Because before it was drum and bass, it was jungle, and Jungle was a sample of mm-hmm. old reggae stuff. Practically 80, 70, 80% of it with some little break beats on it, you know, especially some of the bass. I know a lot of them come from, come from old reggae tunes, you know. So it, it just, it literally didn't take me long. Like within a few months of being, and being heavily into reggae, like it, it's something I just literally got. I, I totally disregard everything else, just got hard into it. The listening process of it, tell you, you know, it's like I can listen to a tune consistent for for weeks, one tune alone for weeks on my Walkman, repeat, repeat, repeat. And in my head, I'm breaking down these tunes to the extent I'm hearing the little king, king, king and the kuh, 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 and and I was gathering all of that, so all right, all of this is what makes these things happen, this reggae you know, you know, I mean, these little things in it really and truly is what catches people, the little organ in the background. Yeah, it's about trying to learn how, how it's made. I mean, that's a similar thing for me when I discovered it. It was like, I, I loved it. And then I'm just, you start thinking, well, how, how is it? What, what are the parts that make it so amazing? 
Right. You see, this is because, like I said, I was listening to it in a deep sense of breaking it down back to the ABC of it, you know. And I just realized that, yeah, it was mo it's what catch me the most, you know. I, for some reason, it's like a magnet. Yeah, when, when it attracts you, it was you, you can't pull away I, from it. Yeah, I can't explain it. The only if I can put it, it's like a magnet. It was... Like I said, when I first heard this, I was like, whoa, okay. And how did you start to kind of get deeper into it? What sort of, what, what kind of path did you take? Because obviously, you know, from hearing the music to kind of starting to get involved and especially like the kind of scene we're in, this kind of sound system roots thing, it's, it's very underground. So how, how did you kind of move into that sort of scene? Everything happened, like, it's like every year something different is changing. Like, um, like um, I would discover the... The there's deep roots, there's DJs, there's there's different style of the reggae, you know. So it's like every year I was I was getting more heavily into into like the different realms of reggae, you know. And then there was the yard kind of style of reggae conscious, like you know, like the usual the sizzlers and whatnot, which I was very very heavily into. I've got to say for a very amount of years. To the extent that I was like selecting this music, I was playing them out. Well, it was all happening then as well, wasn't it? There was a lot of great music like that coming from Jamaica, you know. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I tell you the truth, right? It, it was. It took me. I did not discover till a little while that UK was producing kind of these stuff as well, because most of the things that we were collecting, especially the forty-five, all of them come from Yard. All of them. You know, all of them come from Yard. Um, Dub Vendor was, was religiously every week, like, you know, every two weeks. Till the brother said, yo, you he got to know us that, yo, you lot got this already, you got that already, you know. Yeah. Yeah, those pre-releases, like, in, in that, you know, around 2000, around a millennium, millennium kind of time, it's like just, I, I was really influenced by a lot of that stuff as well. It's like amazing music coming it, out. It, it was unbelievable. And... The way it, when I when I started got heavily into it, it wasn't just me alone. It was like a few brethrens around us still, you know. To the extent we wanted them start trying to style a little bit or sound, because the brethren that we were around, he knew more of um, yard things, you know, like um, not not like the UK sounds as we know it, like the yard clash kind of sounds, you know, that kind of. He was more more into them things there, so it's kind of a natural thing where we were rolling with him. I'm 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 just excited about the whole thing anyway, so you know what I mean. So I was kind of using the drum and bass skills of mixing tunes. I was giving a little twist like that with the yard tunes, you know. So as you know, generally back in the day, you might have one rhythm with like 20, 15 artists on it, you know, and then you got the other rhythm with another fifteen kind of artists juggling. on it. So I was kind of yeah, I was juggling, but the way I was juggling it, I was mixing it, you know, because. I was getting the timing right and the blending in the next minute, you know, it, it was and it was weird. Like so there's a few yard men around the area. They, they they never heard this kind of way of mixing, not juggling, like mixing them rhythms together. What what changed the whole thing was when I got to first hear my a UK production. It's what for me changed the whole really thing. All them things just 
went like it never existed, you know. Because it's a different thing, isn't it? When you, when you hear the U, the UK sound, cause at that time, obviously a lot of music happening, but a very different sound to the Jamaican sound. So what, what, so how did you get introduced to the UK sound? What, what, what kind of stuff was it? When I first heard like a, a UK production, I was like, yes, this is what I'm looking for. It was automatically just new. This is what I'm looking for. The bass was heavy. The, 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 the rest of the instruments were sounding a bit more brighter and more, more to like, I say youth, more appealing to my ears, if, if you understand what I mean, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the first ever, and I heard this on a tape, I think it was Iration, it was um, a tune called Way Down in Babylon, Apiosa mm-hmm. Fariation, Ariation, Ariation. Yeah, that, that track there, it was like, whoa, okay. Because it still have a little flavour of drum and bass a little bit, you know? A little flavor, like little, like a little pinch of salt flavor on it, you know. Like I said, the bass was heavy and the hi hat was rolling, and I was like, "Yeah." For me, it was just just changed the whole. <laughs> so it. and and it's hard to find that even like living in London or whatever. It's like it's it's underground still, isn't it? It's not something you you obviously hear. You see, and this will make me discover a lot of things, very underground. I get to discover Honest Jones record shop. I get to discover lots of, like, we used to hunt these shops in, in West London, especially Labra Grove area and Kenzo Rise. And there's a little, little shop, 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 shop. We used to hunt them for them. When we go there, straight away, we're looking for UK sections, you know what I mean? Because a lot of the Jamaican things, we got to a point, like, yeah, we've got what, most selector will have in their in their boxes, you know the 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 anthems, you know what I mean. You know we just wanted them more because the UK thing was was kind of in in the in, in the midst of its brightness at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, disciple was at his peak, um, Abba was at his peak. You know, especially the producer them were, were at their peak more than the sound man them. You know, at at that time I could say anyway, late mid nineties to late nineties. You know. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. It's got a real golden time for the, for the music, definitely. That's definitely. what I mean. Yeah, it, it, was the, it was the music that was making the sound mandem at the time, you know what I mean? I, I, my personal preference anyway, you know what I mean? The Vibronics, the... the, the um, like I said, the, I just call them the usual suspects, you know. What, what, what about the sound system? I mean, when did you first, like... Because there's a difference to hearing the music, like, normally and then hearing it on a sound system. One older Russ was living upstairs on them flats at them time. It's like, yeah, there's um, you guys should go check this. I remember it was a place called Tyson Street in um, East London. And um, it's like, yeah, this is like, it's like, he told us, yeah, my enough Russes come to this dance and Chalice are born and blah, blah. He's giving us some, some lyrics. I was like, I said to my brother, I said, yeah, let's go check out this thing. So it was like that. We just went to check out this thing. So when, I, when we got in, it was Shaka playing. When we got in, it was like, yeah, man, my kind of people here, I can relate to this, you know? So we were, yeah, man, I really enjoyed it. I was like, yeah, I, I heard tune play in a different way I've never heard before. But I kind of like, yeah, enjoy it. But the actual first time I kind of go, whoa, okay, this is played on a different level. It's when I, I got to experience some other different sound. Like, let's say, about at that time, for example, mm-hmm. you know. For me, that was like, yo, okay, this is a whole different ball game. You know what I mean? It was a whole different ball game. And for me to even get to that stage, it was a funny 
twist a story. It would just happen to be somewhere. Somebody play some tape of university or dub. I think the first year they done it. First year, they, that first year, I think it was 98 or 9. Yeah, 97, 98, something like that. And it was iration. And his brother saying, yo, there's a place in Brixton. When you go in there, there's, there's 20 boxes and da, da, da. <laughs> and, and speaker so high. And he was giving us some next lyrics as well. So it's like, yeah. Man, I feel forward to this place. Yeah, man. And what was funny, yeah, prior to that, a month before we were going to go there, something was happening in Southall. And he showed us the fly for us. So when we went there, and it was funny, it was ABBA playing. In Southall. So it was, yeah, it was kind of first time, okay, we got a little taste of what we might have. When you know something, like, okay, this is your, this is you. Yeah, you, feel, like, you. you feel at home. You feel at home and, and it's yeah, that connection, it's like, this isn't is it? for you and this, this is for you, you know. So for me, it's weird. It's, everything was kind of, was like magnet. Bah, 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 bah. I'll, it was just sticking to me. I was just sticking to it, sticking to it, sticking. Everything just, yeah, there's the only way I can explain it for me personally, you know. Because it's an underground thing. It's like you, you're not getting this experience anywhere else. It's not an easy thing to kind of, to find. But when you find it and it's almost like, well, for me, it was like a surprise. It's like, wow, I can't believe this thing actually exists. This is amazing. That's what, that's what I explained to you when I first kind of come around. I was like, whoa, like I heard, first time I heard UK thing. I was like, wow. The bass is really like the game for it. Whoa, it's, that that just changed my whole. And I don't think I ever looked back since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how did you start to kind of get involved in it? Because obviously you know sound system label, every busy doing lots of things. But that movement from hearing a sound to actually being in it yourself. How how, how, how did that all sort of come together? It, it started with um, by dedicating to going a lot of sessions. It got to a point, the majority of the big dances, UK dances, that was going on. It's, it's like impossible not to see me there. We went all of these things like re- religiously. So as for many years of going, it's not even that many years, I could say. Like a good couple of three, four years of consistent going to this thing, consistent of going to it from Thursday to Sundays, you name it, from Edinburgh to Middlesbrough to... <laughs> wherever as as little 16 16 year old with a 18 year old driving a car and taking the pizza within business you know and as as you know within the whole sound culture maybe not right now but back then yeah, there was the usual suspects that you see all the time you know and it, it got to a point somebody just assumed that we were we, we had the sound because you, you guys were a crew so everyone's everyone's like yeah. these guys must have yeah they must have something yeah it was um it was one sister in right sister millie i don't know if you if we know her sister millie yeah this call her queen of dub still you know back then she she was religiously in in major, certain dancing religiously she was there so she kind of befriended us and you know it was like yeah and she happened just to ask, oh, you don't got a sound. I've got a friend with a club. And um, we said, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we got a sound. So you, you get you get a booking and you guys haven't even yeah. got a sound or anything. We're, and then she went, oh, can you give us a mixtape? <laughs> That's like, all right. <laughs> but lucky we do them things regular anyway, you know. So we just gave her one tape. She just want to hear what kind of selections, like, you know what I mean? I think she want to make sure that we're keeping it on a UK thing, you know? So, so yeah, so it, it really did kind of come off like that. Very simple. 
and it, everything just happened really fast. And sometimes it takes that jump for someone to say, can can you do this? And even if you're not ready, just saying, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. For me, I, I, a lot of things like, you know, I, you know, you just, you just want to see who dares wins, isn't it? So. And, what, and what, what about Bill? Because obviously there you are DJing and selecting and whatever. So what about building your sound system? I mean, was, was that the thing that followed or...? The building the sound system thing was um wasn't even we just never thought about it. It just happened that um we linked with another sound because true that when we were playing the club, we were played that consistent for about three years, maybe three and a half or something. And true that, like I said, you, you get to meet some brethren and things like that. And uh we link up um, that's where we link up word sound and power from them throughout them all them years ago. And um it was like, yeah, it was kind of like, let's see, like a, a Bridget introduced us to him to to have like, okay, they said a, a bread up with a sound system to have the experience of, okay, equipment and things like that. Literally, that's what he said. Well, Robert Tribulation is the man to talk yeah, to. Yeah, Robert sure. Tribulation, you know. Yeah, so it was, it was introduced, introduction one day, which was Tuesday night, on, I think Wednesday or Thursday, we went to his studio and then it was like, yeah, all right. Um, I saw, okay, whoa, this guy's got a big studio, like all this stuff in there, big board and like, um, 10-inch releases, three-way monitors and a lot of uh, modules and effects and, you know, all of these things. I was like, okay, this is the place to be, okay. And I don't know, maybe he assumed that I know something already. He just went, yeah, go on, mix a tune. So I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I never even pressed something like that on the board. It's your first time on a mixing desk. He just says mix. Yeah, and he just yeah, and he played he played a track. And obviously, when you when you into something like that, you know the general things. Okay, where's the where's the where's the delay and there's the, there's a reverb and you know that kind of thing. Literally, like it was something I don't know. I couldn't. Well, I think if I think if you're doing like um, mixtapes and stuff, it's mixing a tune's only one step up from that. It's just kind of you you know how you want it to sound. You know what kind of thing you want to do to it. So just some, someone shows you where those buttons are, right, bang, I'm off. That's exactly what, what it is, you know. I, I know I, I, I wanted to do something. I, you understand exactly how you explain it, you know. So it was like, yeah, um, mess around, mess around, whatnot and whatnot. And um, he, he told us that, all right, there's, there's, a, there's a venue that around the place, in, which was the community centre at the time, um, Southall Community Centre, so I go around, went there to to see if we can book something. And it just happens that the dude that was running the place was the manager of Misty Roots. One Rasta man, you know, Ian. And the, the brother, everything just linked naturally. Literally, it, it happened that fast. And um, the brother said, yeah, cool, what do you want to do? And we just started rolling with him. Help him out with the boxes, set up the things, and because that's like an like an apprenticeship, isn't it? It's like learning how to string up the sound and load it on the truck, everything. Yeah, for sure, for sure, you know. And uh, even the way of loading sound, subs got to go first, and these are all these kind of things, you know what I mean? And um, when he set up the thing, it just keep it just it just it became a thing that all right, you know what? We just warm up and play tunes, you know. Until 
well, when certain time of the of the night and whatnot, like sometime twelve or one or whatever, then he just come in, does his thing, and. But that's a great experience, though, to be allowed to like play on a big sound system like that and kind of learn because it's so different to like selecting in a club or something to learn how to operate a high power proper sound system yeah yeah it, it was um it was kind of but even throughout that whole time what was going on before i even get on that it was i got very heavily into the studio things very very heavily into it you know so when i kind of first got in his sound most of the thing that wasn't alienated to me you understand what mm-hmm. i mean it was just okay the control of it i had to get used to you know what I mean? I used to just not touch much stuff really because it sounded heavy anyway, not knowing we could go 50 times more than that and things like that. You know what I mean? Like taming it and whatnot, you want to call it. You know, for me, that takes a little, that took a bit of a while, even still taking time now. But yeah, I, I was, I got very, very heavily into the studio. I dedicate a lot into studio, like work, 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 work. And most time, if you run studio and you've got certain equipment, sound, system equipment is not really well it's interesting the studio because that was on my list of things to talk about but it's like if that came first then i'm quite interested to kind of sort of to talk to you a bit about that because obviously you know you've released all these records and some of them are done really well and it's kind of and you're there's a distinctive sound and i guess going back to you talking about drum and bass and stuff in the 90s it's like the sound you have is quite sort of digital and futuristic and it's kind of I just wonder what sort of what other kind of influences you have in the studio and what what what, what you're trying to achieve in the studio if right um like I said for me with 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 the sound when I first heard like that tenor saw tune it was the melodies in and even in drum and bass it was it was like the melodies as well something like that you know melodies catches me as well you know you know what I mean? For me, it's got to have that, that combination. So, generally, I was just not afraid of sounds. I'm just not afraid of using it. You mean like to, 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 to try something new and to kind of... I'm always up for that, always. And majority of the time, the more I get into it, the more I realise that 99% of the time, it works. It's their drama based influence with them sounds and that, that kind of thing for me. Because it kind of never came out of my head in a way just just twist it round into this you know and hearing a lot of the digital things from the uk as well you know it was very raw very very raw and there was producers that was even into them sounds there but it took a while for people to grasp to it you know as it's, it's something new you know what I mean? that's the thing when i think when you're doing something that is kind of pushing the boundaries or doing something a bit different then there's always going to be a set of people who it's not for them oh i, I had it all mate i had it all oh your music sound like techno and yeah oh it sounded a bit this and what is it and this and that and i had it all mate but it's just i know what i'm doing and i know i'm not straying for where i learned this thing from you know so it took a while like you said people it's hard for him to adjust to new things sometimes you know but yeah I think people got to understand it and people still understanding it, you know. And the studio is obviously, I'm guessing, a place you feel quite comfortable and, like, somewhere that, you know, it's a good place for you to be. Oh, it's become a second home now, that's for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. That is for sure. Sometimes, yeah, it calls me, like, 
the way I've got it for me personally is ideas is is quick to put down because I feel like ideas is you just lose a lot, you know. You know what I mean? I'm, tr- I'm trying to catch that moment as much as time and put them down as much as I can because music freestyle in your head, especially people that create beats and things and want to do a production music or what. You know what I mean? Don't want that things to go quick, you know. So did you did, did you um did you learn music at all when you were younger or you or did you just kind of pick it up along the way? <laughs> no, no, I was more into sports when I was younger. You know, I was I was heavily as a school thing and as a youth and whatnot, sports was my thing, mm-hmm. you know, until like the last year year no, the last two years of me leaving school. I played I played rugby for my borough for Middlesex for about three years. Okay, you know I started off from school. You know we won lots of done a lot of tournaments. We played South Africa, all these kind of things. You know, so I was I was very as a, as a little um, thirteen fourteen year old. I was dedicating my weekends to sports and you know things like that. It kind of makes sense when you when you see you play because obviously you're someone who puts a lot of energy into what you do. So if you were like a sports person when you were younger, that that kind of makes sense. Yeah, you know it, it's, it's it's you got channel the energy some different way, you know. And for me, like this music is the best, like to channel it out. You know what I mean? So when I'm playing music, I'm playing it because I'm feeling it as well, personally as well. I, I like what I'm playing. I will enjoy it same way that someone else is playing it. Even if you're playing it yourself? Even if I'm playing myself. Yeah, nice. You know, I'm not playing it because I'm playing it. I'm playing the tune because that tune, I'm, I'm skanking not because I'm playing myself. I'm, playing, I'm skanking because that tune is playing. That tune, the tune itself, you know, feeling it like that. You know what I mean? Especially when the bass come in and the way they hire the whole general if I like that too it's like yeah it touches me in a way that yeah that time and moment nothing really matters you know I think I think people relate to that when when they see you play and they see that energy and it's kind of you know they it's it's, it's not fake obviously it's like you know you're, you're in the zone doing your thing and I think yeah, people can yeah, relate to yeah for that. real yeah for real because like I said music's an energy you know so um, when when you're projecting that energy to people to feel that energy and you're not feeling yourself, people ain't going to pick up that because you're the one throwing that energy. And if there's no energy behind that, people ain't going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you expect people to feel what you're feeling? What are you telling them to feel and you're not feeling that yourself? You know, that that, that don't really, you know, like, so I've seen some selectors, that's their preference anyway, them, them standing there playing a tune. And now sometimes I do ask myself, are you really enjoying that tune you're playing? <laughs> you know, it's not that I'm, I'm focusing and controlling stuff because you come here to it's play music, you know. But to go hand in hand with the energy thing is, I guess, something that maybe King Alpha is known for is like like a, a lot of volume and a sort of certain... I don't know, like aggressiveness in the sound kind of thing. I don't, I don't want to like use the wrong word or anything, but it's like you're 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 into this like loud kind of thing. Would would, would you say that's like an important part um, of what you do? I, I mean, wouldn't say um, loud loudness. What I would say is um, at that time, whatever we have at that time, this thing there's extreme to it, and we can take it to. For it to, to to 
I feel to feel it that way is we got to project that extremeness of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a, a roots tune or a different style of one drop, steppers, whatever. But it's the way it's been played. Yeah, because they're not soft tunes, even a slow tune. This is this is what I'm getting at. Some people might go play a, a 70s 45 and they might think, yeah, man, nice and easy and whatnot. But no, it, it, it's, you flip the side, it's a version. They're giving you a drum and bass version. And that music needs to be projected in that extremeness for people to to, to feel it to that extent. Mm-hmm. Because nowadays, it's, it's hard to penetrate people with 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 them with like with good energies and things like that you know it needs to be pushed like that mm-hmm. but loudness is a different kind of thing because not everybody can tolerate i can't tolerate like something is is, is loud and out of control you know we just we just push things to extreme you know like on that kind of on that kind of sense yeah like like an intensity or something i suppose that's it i'm not i'm not gonna play my bass line very loud but i will push the intensity of that frequency to play you understand what i mean without being whoa that brutalizing and, and 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 them kind of things there you know it's, it's like um some people have a, a big sound and i'm thinking yo reggie you want to spend all the because sound is money you don't just turn up so i must say yo you spend all this money on this heavy duty equipment playing a little bit safe you know it, it, they're not designed for that, really. Yeah, it's not like a disco, is it? It's a sound system. This is a what I mean. Thing, isn't it? And that's yeah, the whole point. For me, it's like yeah, I, I like the intensity of it. You know. What I mean? That's thank you. But when people call sound to come and play, I think they forget what they're calling to come in and do. You know, because mm-hmm. these people are bringing in very heavy duty and powerful stuff. So a man ain't gonna spend sixty grand, and then he's gonna come in and dance. And he's gonna play like in a, in a, in a disco. It's a different kind of genre. That's why my, back in the day, all them salmon even in Jamaica, they are playing outside. No, enough of the dancers was outside. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's heavy duty equipment to cater for the out outdoor things there. But uh, some way somehow whatnot, it became more of an indoor thing now. More in the UK still, you know, due to as you can see. It's not really 24-hour sunshine every day, you know. Say February, you're not going to be playing outside. So, so when did you first build, like, your sound, King Alpha sound system? When, when, and how, how did that happen? Like I said, yeah, when we were doing the, the let's say, the warm-up set for World Sound and Power them times there, it got to a point that, yeah, um, while we were playing, we can carry on playing. You want to be playing to the end. Yeah, you know, we, I got that urge and energy, you know. It's like, yeah, man, you know what? Yeah, man, me ready for like, I, I can keep doing this. I can keep doing that. So obviously you need your own vehicle to 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 start moving, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it, it just once and once come together and we try, we put some things together. And um, the first stuff that we bought, 50% of the equipment, we went straight to JTS for that, you know, because at the time he was the most known, the the closest person. A, a true gentleman, Keith is as well. Yeah, you see, and um, and for me, I like to buy things from people that's into our thing. Yeah, you, you're talking about a lot of expertise when you when you go and speak to people like Tubbies. This is what I mean. I, I like to get things from people that's into our thing because 
you kind of you, you will know what you're getting and they will have an idea what what you want the first start of that that was lyrical process it took a little time though still but like i said sound is money you know and i was still in my teens late teens in fact you know so it was like um uh 2005 we started doing a collective thing we and bridging them put some things together bought, bought half of this and then it just Ending of 2005, there's a sound called Jamaica Sound. Mm-hmm. They won the cup and stuff back in the day. Didn't yeah, they? yeah, 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 yeah. That bridging there. They were, I think they were, they were selling some of their sound at that time. So just make, like I said, everything was fast. Back him up. It's like, yeah, bridging, I'm selling some things. and So yeah, so we bought half the things and we completed uh, the whole first set, which was middle of 2006 so as we were doing the southall thing already i had access to hall already i was doing the booking and and these kind of things so it was just um okay uh next next one we do uh just say robert i'm gonna do it i will i will do it you know just let me do it (laughs) obviously you know because we we kept the sound in the same place that he has so he knows that yeah what we're up to Mm -hmm. obviously all every step of the way you know so it was like, yeah, man, we just booked um, book the whole. And then time there in UK, a lot of things was going on. There's dance there three times a week. Yeah, it's true, it's true. And a lot of sounds coming out. Three times a week. I don't know about any part of us in England, but London for sure. You name it, from Dalston to here to Hackney to Brixton to... It was just going around circle. Thursday to Sundays, man, I'm telling you. And when did you start, like... Like playing other sounds as well, because that that's the kind of like a big thing when you build a sound and then you're going to play like your heroes, if you like, or pe- people you've really like looked up to, and then you're playing side by side, you know, whatever you know, with them in a hall. Back in in the UK, the only person back then that's still doing now is just Shaka just plays on his own. Uh, it was very rare you see a sound player on their own. It was always so. It's a, a thing that we we got, we it's a sound thing. You're used to it. You know what I mean? You go in the sound, there's two sound in there, three sound in there, two sound, three, four sound in there. You know, so it was a kind of thing, you're kind of, it, it was a standard procedure thing. And was that, was that something you were like itching to do as well, to play another sound and see what it was like? Um, no, I was just itching to play the sound, to play sound. But the whole, I just see as the whole package of it, when you go in an arena, it's better to go to play another sound, you know? It's like uh, I just say, I was like, it's a boxing. We can't just go in the ring and box yourself, innit? You need a you need another boxer to go with. So it was it was silent because I was into it, the militant side of it as well. You know what I mean? Like yo, the man pulled that tune. You know, yeah, man, he played that tune back on it. Now nah, his tune was his tune was. You know, I was into it like that. You know what I mean? So we and especially rolling with word sound and power. It was more of a soldier thing as well, because that's how he don't rap, you know. He don't play like yo, like the extremeness of yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not taking any prisoners. This is what it is. Like we go in the we got, we, we bred an attitude in the man. that nah, man, I don't rap with this thing here, you know, you know. And it's a true thing, you know, because I should say, and I know easy walk over thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You got stand firm, man. Yeah, man. I'll make sure you got a, you got good tunes and these kind of things. So. All them attitude and everything else, it naturally just, he just flowed it into us, you know. So a lot of the attitude and things like that was just rubbing off us, you know what I mean? You know, how to 
survive in the sound world, if you want to put it, you know, because there's some lions and tigers and all kinds of stuff out there that rip you apart, you know. <laughs> you have to go pack up your sound, you know, because I got to see him that way, because it was militant that way, you know what I mean, them days there, you know, you know what I mean. But obviously in, in a very, uh, how can I put it, in a very um, clean manner, mm-hmm. You know, everybody feel good afterwards, and you feel you feel nice and uplifting. That's it, because I think you can play music with real energy and kind of like almost like a not necessarily a competitiveness, but just I don't know. You can call it that if you want, but you, you can go in there like guns blazing, and still yes, not, yeah. but still go in there with like good vibes, and you know, it's like. It's it's not it's not like a war hate thing. It's just kind of it's like a positive energy for want of a you know less corny phrase. And some people it might be a bit too much for them. Like um like like that man say like Shaka said one time or one interview. It's something about the bass, Bridget. That's <laughs> true. I, I, I don't know what it does. It's just when that thing comes on, everyone just it's like your soul's been free mm-hmm. for that moment in time. It, it 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 touches something, you know. It's it's you just have to feel it and know it, you know. Not everything can be written on. Yeah, it's an amazing it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing, and even years and years later, it's still an amazing thing. I I, t- yeah. I totally agree. With and you. and there's and like I said, when I'm playing my music, my me personally, you know, I like to emphasize these things, bring out these things, not play it loud, but project them out. And it's, it seems to have gone on to some like you know some good successes as well like taking the sound all over the country and like further field and like you know you obviously really from when those humble beginnings of starting a sound playing out in Southall and whatever to being kind of you know a sound that now plays all over the place it's kind of for me I think the first kind of big break we had and we we played originally we played a big sound you know the first time we ever played we went deep into the into the into the um, deep end. We went halfway in the ocean, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> we went straight with Mighty Tabet sound, you know. And you had Russ Muffet selector, you know. You know, King Fader Control, Russ Gabriel on the mic, you know. There was a serious sound, you know. They had um, Sister Beloved on the mic, um, Costa Farai, Sister Erta. Um, um, they even had Singer Blue there. I, I remember it like, like it was just two minutes ago, you know. September, I even forgot the date, but it was middle of September, you know, first time. Yeah, big sound, we went in there. One thing I'm quite interested to ask you about is you did a lot of work with uh, Fikir Laamlak and um, some, some great, you know, Key to the Universe and stuff, some some really great tunes. So how, how, did, how did all that come about? Because he's, I guess in some ways, shares some of your like energy and sort of uniqueness and it seemed to be like a good, kind of like a meeting you know you know what i mean i had his bridging from the states and i he kind of linked man he linked link and he's like yeah um i like some of your productions and i've got some vocals um you think um that it needs some remix and whatnot so i was like yeah so bridging used to feed me stuff they were coming in in like the old not even the old like the late 90s yard artists, you know, when they, when they were in their prime and, you know, the energy was there and it was, it was just positive lyrics, but with militancy, you know. For me, this is, 
this is something was my thing anyway. So I was getting, I got very, I said, yes, this is what I've been looking for. The yard style thing on the UK roots, but like, you know, the deep, like dark, deep steppers, UK roots. You know what I mean? And then he gave me this one vocal. If I remember it, it was uh, the Chunko Lion, I feel raw. Bridging, when I hear this vocal, as soon as I press play, I load it up on the machine and I press play. It was something like, yeah, I know what to do. Like, I just click with a brother. I just know what to do. Because I heard this flow, I like, yeah, that flow's good, you know. Like, this is, this, is, this is standard thing in a different sense. Like, yeah, in the sense of that, this is what I've been looking for. So I just built this thing on it. And then once in a while, he would send me this brother's vocals again. And it's something like, and I realized that now, he's standing out. <laughs> Most of the people have been remixing their track. Like, so gelled together like he was in the studio with Well, me. he's like a u- u- unique artist, definitely. I like, I love what he does, definitely. He's bringing something new to it, but still, like, total roots artist, you know. This is the way I see it. He kept the, the he had that old Jamaican DJ style when the Sing J became a thing, like Turbulence, for example, or, or even the well-known Sizzler, for example, you know, in their prime when the energy was there, like, you know. Like, he kind of kept that style, you know what I mean? And be, be honest with you, it was, this went on for about three years, you know, and I still never met the dude, still never met the Bredgin, still never spoke to him. Well, it's quite, quite a long way from London. <laughs> you know, I played that tune, Lion of Raw. Some tunes, I, I consistent play them. As you know, yeah, you can't get them from the shop. The only way you can get to know their music if you consistent hear it. You know, so some tune I make a prime point of, of playing. And you realize, like I said, this Bredgin stuff keeps sticking out. Like, it, it's gelling with the beat. It's gelling with exactly with what I've done on it, you know. So kind of long story short, it's just the way we're talking to each other. It was like um, like a soldier thing, you know. We all knew the mission. So yeah, Bredgin, yeah, he's like, yeah, man, send me rhythms, I'm ready. I'm da, da, da. It was like, yeah, man, okay, da, da, da. what kind of things were Because a lot of things that we do, we always come up with subject matter. I might tell him, yo, I, la- I like it to be about these subject matters, you know. So I was feeding him rhythms that I never think I would voice these things because they were a little bit raw, you know. And this brother Bredgin was flowing some stuff. It was just amazing, you know. Because yeah, some, sometimes these rhythms are so raw, you think, how can they be like a song with lyrics and melody and stuff? But it's like, but it takes a certain type of singer to, to transform those into things. I'm telling you, you know. So it was like, um, you know, the response we got back, not necessarily for, wow, this music is great or whatnot. It was more for the gelling part of it, like the combination you know, it, 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 people were speaking about that more as well. Like, wow, this is the as a producer, this singer is well with this producer, and this 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 producer is well with this singer. Just a couple more things, really. It's like I wonder what things um, think uh, we've got to look forward to from King Alpha. Any any kind of things you've got boiling in the pan, ready for us to taste in the future. Got a lot of big project with. Akashic Records coming soon. We got Mike, you know, Akashic Records, man. We got a few of um, other releases from a few labels coming very, very soon as well. I've got some things with Far East in France and two albums is coming. Two of, no, two albums is coming with Fikir. The reason why these ones are come 
I just look forward to them, the, the differentness of it, man, you know, because we always get these controversial feedback from people like and i know that means pete is working people are listening to these stuff you know what i mean so, ruffle a few feathers yeah yeah i like it man you know <laughs> if you're ruffling no feathers you ain't doing nothing man you need to ruffle some feathers man so yeah um we because we don't pass out with the subject matter like i was saying you know so mm-hmm. yeah so i'm looking forward to these two albums coming and another thing with tenor stealing thing called rastafari elders as well you know, which oh, tenor's great, great vocalist. This one is a, it's gonna be a special project because I don't think even anyone heard samples of it yet. So it's just gonna be boom. Well, the the other, the other thing as well is what what I'm doing to sort of finish off the podcast is I'm asking everybody this same question: if it's like Book of Dub, which is you know it's growing now, got a lot of names in it, and people you know have different takes on it or whatever. But I, I asked the guests the same question each time which is like I've got this book of dub and I'm writing the name in it so I'm going to write Joseph King Alpha so what what would you want written next to your name what kind of thing do you want associated everybody everybody I I need someone to push them or people to push them you know and for me I give thanks you know because to cut it short I must say I had the right people in the right departments you know to to make it what it is today you know so I, I can't ask for more Take me back. I will never change nothing. I wouldn't even change a dot. <laughs> you know, I have no regret. You can't, I didn't regret nothing. You know, whatever I've gone through with it, good or bad, whatever, it is to be this time and moment as we're speaking. You know, so yeah, give thanks for all of it still, you know. So yeah, man. Thanks again for joining me and Joseph for this 14th episode of the Life in Dub podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Life in Dub. And if you enjoyed it, the biggest help you can give is to tell your friends about a podcast and share it around wherever you can. If you have any comments or suggestions about the show, as usual, you can email me, vibronics at gmail.com or hit me up on the social medias. And you can visit the website, lifeindub.com. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you all again in two weeks for the next Life in Dub podcast.